You're listening to The Conversation, a part of the Orchard Hill Teachings podcast, where we talk about the recent teachings at Orchard Hill Church, how we can apply what we've been learning in our everyday lives. I'm Jonathan Rogers. I'm here with Alice Shirey and Dave Bartlett. How are you guys? Hey, I, we're good, I we're think. Good. We're, we're good. good. Yep. We're good. Easter's almost here, so we're kind of it's in the here. mix of yep. getting yeah. all that ready, yeah. right? And Exciting. we decided to pick, uh, you know, the, the classic Easter, <gasps> uh, the Lent series, you know, leading up to Easter of that's Lamentations, right? right? I mean, <laughs> yep. that's, uh, you know, not one that we normally pick. Have you guys, I was wondering if you've ever heard a teaching on Lamentations before. Doug told me he taught this oh. week out in Allison, Iowa, and he said somebody came up to him and said, I've never heard a teaching on Lamentations, maybe other than that first or that uh, that's a verse in the middle there that mm-hmm. we kind of kind of hit. Have you ever heard? I a think it's teaching? one of the most undertaught books in the Bible. And one of I mean, from my reading, one of the most underread. Yep. yep. Books, because unless you're going to read three verse chapter three and those few verses, you're going to be in a it's going to be a hard slog because right. it's hard to know why it's so dark. Right. We, we had an 80-year-old at Grundy Center when I taught Sunday. He came up, put his arm around me, and said, not only have I never heard a teaching on this, I tried to read it myself a couple times, and I could make no sense out of it. Yeah. So so he was grateful to us. Yeah. Right, yeah, kind of putting some sense into the book, what, yeah. it, what it means. And, yeah. 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 Um, uh, so we're about done with the series. I'm wondering what um, has struck you as you've listened to people, um, maybe after the teachings come up to you and talk to you like this, like this person in Grundy Center. Have you heard some stories or, or what's kind of sticking with you through this? Hmm. Uh, when I first taught in Waverly, and uh, this was an encouragement for all the staff up there, uh, a lady came in who had just flown in from, I think it was Florida, and she said, I think I came to the Midwest to hear this teaching uh, because she had buried her hmm. husband in December. Wow. And then Jesse wrote, uh, uh, the point, pers- point pastor up there, he, had, uh, he wrote that to all the staff, and they fed back and said, you know, that makes it worth it. It feels good. So yep. that was it one story. It yeah, spoke, spoke to her. her. In, in a way, she was ready to hear. Yep. Yep. I, th- I think what struck me, um, let's see, I've taught it just a couple times here, but the first time I taught, I let out the series in our biggest room, so the community center, and just the number of people who came up to me and who felt free to tell me their lament, right? There's, and there's something powerful about that, about just saying your lament to another human. And I think because... We chose to teach this, and we chose to teach it a, a bit personally, some of us, a bit honestly. Um, it f- somehow frees people up in the church to say what's true about a struggle yeah. they're having, and then there's God does something with that, I think. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Um, it did feel like a lot of the teachings were very personal, um, especially, I mean, the two of you um, especially, um, What's that like teaching a, a teaching that's so personal? I mean, at the end of the at the end of it, are you just like, I need a nap, I need to go home and lament <laughs> something, <laughs> you know? Uh, or what what is that like? Well, you and I were in the room together before I went and taught that first service, right, Johnny? I don't yeah. know if you remember. Yeah. And after our meeting where we kind of talk about how the service is going to go, and I tell the team, you know, the worship team 
what I'm going to teach. I kind of just admitted to everybody in, in, in there behind the scenes that I, this was the most nervous and yeah. that I had been for a long time. Yeah, I remember Not that. Not nervous like I'm scared about what's going to happen, but I just had this sense. I told you yeah. that I used the phrase that God was going to hijack some people. That sounds much more negative than I meant for it to be. That that very often when we choose to be most honest, something happens. Right. Um, so, yes, I felt, I felt like I had... <laughs> to use a sports analogy, left it all out there on the field. Right. Um, and kind of wanted to go home and kind of yeah. close the shutters and pull the shades just for a little bit. Yeah. I had yeah. been vulnerable. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple things about that, Alice. One is, I don't know if you have the experience, but the more vulnerable and kind of a little on edge I am emotionally, I, I like, it's something in me shuts down and I don't know how it went. People mm. say, how did it go, Dave? And when I'm really on the edge and I'm really being vulnerable, my truthful answer is, I have no clue. Yeah. Um, and Johnny, you were saying, are you worn out afterwards? To me, it's got to do with this edge of emotion. And I can say the same words, two services in a row, and one of them, I'm on this emotional edge, and the next one, I'm not. And when I get on that emotional edge, then I'm just exhausted mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting deal standing up front and being honest yeah. versus just you know. Yeah, and here's what I'm I'm thinking about. This is a new thought to me. Is like when we're honest about our struggles, people have a sense of knowing there's vulnerability there. I might be just as vulnerable about my joys, but somehow, uh, uh, people don't pick that up as much. Yeah. But when I'm vulnerable about my pain and my loss and my grief. People know I'm being real. Yeah. Yeah. And you. Yeah. Talk Same. to me about being vulnerable about your joys. Uh, what, what would that look like? Yeah. Yeah. There's just as much vulnerability yeah. on the positive side, I think, to really say I was really happy and filled with joy with sure. how that went. I wrote this article and I feel like God worked through me. That's really just mm -hmm. as vulnerable as saying I'm broken and lost. But it doesn't have that feel that comes across. Yeah. Do you think some people are have an easier time being vulnerable on one side or the other? I wonder. I, I think so. I think it's easier to be vulnerable about the joy and positive side for me. Yeah. I'll speak for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I'm kind of wordless about that. I mean, I, <laughs> because for me, sometimes being positive about the joy feels maybe like I'm bragging or yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't know, probably because of some baggage from my past. I never want to come across as, I don't know. I were, I just worry that, that I would come across a certain way yeah. and, and that, yeah, yeah, it's easier for me to be vulnerable about my brokenness. I would say the, me. the same for me. I feel like it would be easier for me to be vulnerable about things that I'm, you know, struggling with. Yeah. And for some reason, I have a hard time expressing uh, myself when I'm happy or joyful. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Yeah. I can maybe sometimes do it about other people, but yeah. it's mm. probably, you know, there's something in there about 
appropriate humility and then inappropriate yeah. humility. And I don't know. It's an interesting, that's really interesting. I, yeah. yeah. I did not uh, anticipate going down that road. <laughs> no, you wouldn't think uh, you'd be talking about that with lamentations. No. <laughs> but that's a good question. I'm going to think about that more. Uh, Dave, you mentioned that uh, you think everyone is grieving or lamenting uh, something, right? I remember in your teaching, you kind of said you looked around the room. And, yes. You know, what makes you think that? Uh, it came originally, and I credited this in the teaching to Mary Beth Bolts, yeah. who had read it and then came to church, sat in the seats, and said everyone she knew their story, mm-hmm. she could name a lament they would be having, a grief they'd be experiencing. So I came to our service, and I did this exact same thing the week after she told me that. And sometimes I saw a family, and I didn't know for sure what they were lamenting, but I knew they had a good friend in front of them mm. who had just buried her husband. And so... I just think when you live in a broken world like we do, that if you care about very many people at all, you are grieving something. Yeah, and it may not be huge. It, it may not be huge. It, but no. it might be something. You, yeah. you had a conversation that was off yeah. with your spouse yeah. that morning, or things aren't quite right with your right. parents, or you know, you're exactly. thinking about a kid who's not doing well in school and you can't figure it out. It's... Exactly. Not always a big thing, but it's it's too easy to look out at a congregation, a group of people from the church, and think everybody else has their life together and doesn't have something that's breaking their heart or stressing them out or causing them pain or making them question. Yep. But when I heard you say that, boy, that resonated with me as long as I realized you're talking about a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And, and I am. But anyone who's... 55, 60 years old and older, I mean, they're burying their parents. They are, I mean, there's big things yes. that come at you. Um, uh, I mean, Johnny, it's so true, though. I stand up front, and I see the people, and I, you know, I've been here over 30 years, and I can just literally in my head name. Yes. You know, what this guy on the front row. Yep. You know? has gone through this and this and this, and this family back there right now, they have a niece that's in the hospital. And I mean, it's everywhere. I do that with the band sometimes, the worship band. As I watch them sing, you know, really worshiping, I think, I know that he has cancer. I know that his sister just this. I know, you know, I know things about each one of them so how is it then, Alice, that we come to church and the feeling so many people have is no one here has pain but me? Yeah. That, think, that's you, what we're fighting. Yeah. I mean, do you think it's because a lot of us think that our pain isn't big enough? You know, like I think about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you burying your, yeah. you know, son and two grandkids and then the struggles that I have at home. Like I'm like, well, that's not a big enough deal to actually grieve that. Because there are people going through so much bigger things, burying spouses, mm. you know, somebody with cancer in their family, so many things that my griefs aren't worth it or worthy. Haven't reached that level. Yes. I think we do that. And I've been taught, I've been schooled, mm. actually, by Mary Beth Bolts, who's a good friend of most of ours and all of ours. I don't know why I said most. Uh, You know, her husband's going through cancer. So as her friend, sometimes I will say, well, I'm going through this, but it's, you know, 
I'll, I'll, I'll like make a qualifier. Yeah. And she'll say to me, oh, no, you don't. Just because we're going through this does not mean this pain about X that you're going through is insignificant. And I want to hear about it. And I want to pray for you and participate in that with you. And I've watched her do that. And it has schooled me really well that we don't get to do this qualifier. Right, or like, comparison. Mine's not it's, enough. Yours is worse. So yeah. you get to cry and I can't cry. I think that's mostly a lie yeah, in our own yeah, head. Yeah, don't compare griefs and don't rate griefs. Um, you know, we had that all the time, Alice. When we I had bet. the three be, yeah. people, loved ones we had to bury, everybody started by saying, this is nothing compared to you. Right. Well, it's not nothing. Right. It's, it's very your story. significant in your life right yeah. now. Yeah. I think that's a good point, though. Yeah. We think what we're going through isn't, isn't enough yeah. to qualify as right. lament or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you've hit on this a couple times, but with the, you know, it's in our mission statement, um, you know, about the broken world. Yeah. Um, but do you think that's the, the reason we're all grieving is because we live in this fallen, broken world? I do. And things aren't as they're supposed to be? I, I really do, Johnny. I, I think, again, how, how do you keep teaching this? But uh, we live in a broken world. It's not the way God originally designed it, the Garden of Eden. Uh, when sin came and broke it, it broke it at so many levels that the pain we live with now, most of it, is because we live, we were born into a broken world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know it. Something in us. We know it. Whether we're followers of Jesus or not, we know it. And so, you know, I think about the the passage that talks about how we groan, that we groan until until things are made right and that all of creation is groaning until until the the sons and daughters of God are made right. I mean, and and all of creation is made right. So I was thinking that that is if you if you take it all the way down to the to the bedrock, that is where this comes from. That there's something in us that knows this is not how things are supposed to be. And so our spirit groans and laments and cries out. Um, and so that's why everybody is in that, big or small, we're in it. We're groaning and we're waiting for something to be made right. And, and I really appreciate it. It's not just those of us who are people of faith. I think a picture of it is the uh, Iowa football games. When everyone turns and waves at the kids in the hospital, right? Yeah. It's actually a cultural image yeah. that we all know things aren't right. Yep. And if we can do just a little step, wave a hand, and just be a part of encouraging one person in a broken world. Yeah. It. it I. I agree. We know inside us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, then when we experience it, at a deeper level, even than that, we know it. It. It changes us. And it, for those of us who are people of faith, it helps us to, it's, I, I don't want to say it helps us to explain things away because that's not how, what it is at all, but it, it, sure gives a, it sure gives a framework to where this kind of aching comes from. It's not just, just haphazard. Yeah. It comes from something deep within the whole system, the whole structure is broken. So, I mean, I thought that was a very intuitive question. Yeah. Do you think that's why we're fascinated with this idea of, of heaven? Because someday 
all things will be made right and I don't have to worry about some of the things that I worry or grieve some of the things that I am grieving here in this world? I'm given that question. I to think you if first. we get our head around that, <laughs> yeah, that um, that's a promise of the Christian faith that one day all things will be made right. I think when we get our head around it, it uh, it it uh, it changes how we see the future. And uh, you know, I've been struck by how many youth groups want me to come and teach their kids about mm-hmm. heaven, and it's because of this idea mm-hmm. of uh, we have this yearning yeah. that all things would be made right. Yep. Yeah, and it's I love like thinking about like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I mean, so many of the great kind of writers of these allegories talk about it. You know, like that moment in um, the Chronicles of Narnia when 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 all the snow and the cold and the ice starts to melt, or when like Aslan is you know killed on the stone table, and 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 they talk about how the dark magic starts to turn back on itself and this whole idea that everything that was wrong is gonna be fully made right I mean I've been thinking a lot about that because I've been thinking about there's some things in my life right now that I'm hoping for things that can will probably happen right things for my kids or things for the you know, people they're dating and I, I, they're not happening yet, but I hope they will. And they probably will. Chances are those things will happen. But I've been thinking about people who've lost loved ones, right? So your hope then goes to this whole other deeper place. Yeah. Your hope goes to this. My hope is that someday they will be raised mm. and I will be raised and we will be together again and they will be made whole. And I mean, that's a whole different kind of hope. Yeah. Um, and I think our little hope practice practices us, trains us yep. for, for that big hope that so many people I know and I will be there too someday. Yep. That's the hope beyond hope, the yep. hope that we cling to, the hope of our faith. It's everything. Yep. Not only will the broken things, yeah. not only will the broken things be made right, the right things will be made righter. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, C.S. Lewis, yeah, yeah, t- yeah. The colors will be brighter. The smells will be stronger. Yeah. The, right. the the joy yeah. will be deeper. Yes. Uh, it's it's totally changed from me seeing heaven as a boring place <laughs> to now seeing it as probably the most exciting place we will ever beyond what we can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what makes lament so important. Yeah, I think, but that might yeah. be a whole other podcast. A whole other one. <laughs> <laughs> whole other question. Okay, um, I kind of wanted to talk about this idea of emotions that um, uh, a few of you have talked about. That you know, Lamentations is such an emotional book, and you know, you kind of have to read it with that in mind, right? Um, I was wondering if you would maybe talk about your own journey with emotions and understanding your own and others. Um, and how that affects you. Wow. That's a great question. Um, so I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I've never been a person who's been very good at hiding mm-hmm. what I'm feeling. Yep. Um, but I do remember saying in my teaching that I think in the Christian world, very often we're taught that our emotions are suspect and our thoughts are what are spiritual. And I kind of poked at that a little bit because 
I think our thoughts are just as susceptible to ballyhoo as our emotions. You know what I mean? And very often what happens when we when we elevate thoughts above emotions is we end up squelching appropriate displays of emotion when people are either joyful or really, really sad. And so I was just trying to take the lid off that a little bit and let people know, especially when their whole world falls apart, it's okay to feel and express whatever it is you're feeling and expressing. Now, I'm not advocating, you know, it's fine and dandy to just express your anger at whoever it is you're angry at. I, I don't believe that at all, you know. And just yell at the McDonald's drive through guy just because you feel like it or whatever. But what I'm trying to talk about is those times when you're trying to process hard, grief-stricken, painful moments in the presence of God and people you love. Um, I want people to stop feeling guilty or bad or like they're lesser than if they have strong emotional reactions to pain. So also probably trying to give myself permission. <laughs> it's okay to just be myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty, that's the best I, I can do. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like, I, I'm almost the opposite. Like, I have all <laughs> this churning emotion down deep. Yeah. And like, you would never necessarily know. Um, and I have a hard time putting it into words. Mm. So when I look at Lamentations, uh, the thing I like about it is it's a disciplined communication. It's thoughtful poetry. Right. Um, somebody, the writer... Yeah. Uh, with the help of God, uh, in a disciplined way, put down the agony. Right. And that's what I find I have to do in my journal. Yeah. And I have to do at the cemetery. Yeah. Um, I, I have to um, uh, work hard to put yes. words to the deep, deep feelings I have. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, many men, and I, I don't mean to be gender based here, but lots of men have two goods, two words for feeling good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, two words. Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't get very far with those two. Right. Let's learn some new language. Right. Right. And and what what's beautiful about this book is it just can provide it for you. Yes. And that's part of what I was expressing in my yes. teaching was when I was in such a dark place and I stumbled upon Lamentations, yeah. it gave words to emotions I didn't have any words for. And and that was really helpful. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I need to say, Alice, to you, I, I, don't, I haven't told you this yet, but a number of people really were touched by your teaching be, because even your story about, uh, you know, depression, your story about those dark places, mm -hmm. just a number of people have talked to me about how permission-giving that is. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, that's so important. Yeah. So in a sense, you're doing the same thing Lamentations is doing. Trying to. When you stand up front and say, this is where I was, this is how I complained, lamented to God, mm -hmm. th that's freeing. Yeah, didn't do it very, I mean, didn't do it very well. And I keep telling other people who come in to talk to me, you, there's no, you don't get graded on this. You know what I mean? No. You don't get graded on this. So, so as like a community of people, how do yeah. we get to a place where, um, we understand that, you know, everybody is kind of operating out of this, you know, some level of emotion. And um, how do we give them grace knowing that maybe they are have, you know, in some sort of depression? They are having, uh, you know, just struggles in their family or something. Right. And then emotionally, they're maybe taking something out on somebody else. They're expressing something. How do we understand that and get to a place where um, 
you know, we can uh, just communicate and give people grace. Mm. I think there's uh, something we have to understand, and we, we talk about it, we're going to talk about more at our teaching, um, the idea of readiness. Alice can say the same words. I, I picked up on this at Grundy on Sunday. Uh, an older lady came up to me, put her arm on my shoulder, and said, Dave, this is the best teaching on pain you've ever done, and I've been listening to you for four years. Well, she was wrong. <laughs> I know it wasn't the best teaching on pain I've done, but she was the most ready to hear mm. this teaching. So we, uh, we, we have to be saying it. We have to be modeling it. But we also have to realize some people in the room will be ready to hear it and some will not. And that's okay. Yep. That's okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think, too, in the, in the community of faith, um, I think about this quote that's been attributed to 8 million different people. I don't know who said it, but we think about it a lot at our home. Um, this quote that says, be kind for everyone is having a tough battle. Yeah. I mean, I think we just have to assume that almost everybody we run into is having some kind of a battle. And some people, you know, some people have matured enough or they are just in a certain place in their life or in their faith where they're able to kind of compartmentalize some of that and then function without letting things squeak out the side. But other times and in other circumstances, it's, it's hard for people. And so I think the scriptures talk a lot about this when, when, um, Paul and others address the church that we have to be quick to forgive. We have to be slow to get angry. We have to be quick to listen. We have to be able to go back to people. We do this all the time as staff. Go back to somebody. You've done this to me. I've done it to you. Dave, you've done it to me where we've gone back and we've said in the heat of the moment in that meeting, I express things a certain way and I may have hurt your feelings and I apologize. And sometimes we say, here's what's going on for me, but sometimes we don't right. because we don't really need to. And the other person assumes the best, yeah. assumes that I'm for you. And that's part of the beauty of the church if the church can do those kinds of things. Yeah. And you know, Alice, we probably need to talk about that more, even up front. Yeah. Where that I've come into your office and said... First, I just need to apologize. And you've come into my yes. office. And yes. we probably need to talk about that more because then we're modeling this other thing. I too. think it's really important. And you and I were just, Johnny and yeah. I were just talking this morning about Chuck and me and our marriage, you know, 32, 33 years of marriage now this summer, kids out of the home. We're much easier. We're, we're quicker to do that with each other now because we don't have all the burdens of the kids yeah. at home and et cetera. But that's um, integral to the success of our marriage is being able to just be able to go back and say that emotional outburst or that whatever came from a different place. And I'm, I'm sorry, but that's a really important question. Yeah. Something to all of us think about. Yeah. That's something even with my, you know, with, with my wife that I've had to learn, um, how sometimes both of us will say something that we don't even mean. No. You know? Yes. And, yes. Uh, but it's because of something else, and it's we're just lashing out at each other. And I think that happens in so many different relationships so. where um, I've, I've done that with both of you where I've said something, and I've always appreciated when I have come into both of you and said, I'm sorry for saying that. You both have been like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. 
quick to forgive. So yeah. I appreciate that modeling. Well, then you throw in a, in a marriage, if you throw in the gender stuff, uh, yeah. which just can get all kinds of sideways, Yeah, you know? Because if I say something, then Chuck logically thinks, well, that's what I believe. And I'm like, well, I don't really believe that. I just said it. I, and then he'll say stuff, but I know he doesn't mean it, but he can't access what's really going on. So I get some of this sideways dysfunction. Oh my goodness. Hot mess. Anyway, Grace. Yeah. And, and uh, even when the person, it, it, another piece of this, Johnny, is uh, when it happened, but um, to me, but uh, they didn't come back and say, mm. I'm sorry, it's still okay. Yeah, mm. it's still okay that you know, yep. once in a while, especially when I was leading in my office a lot, people would come in really irate, yeah, and almost yell at me. But what I was doing in my head was saying, Boy, there, there's something else going on, yeah, because this is too much emotion for this issue, right? Right, but then I you don't always get to what else is going on. You just believe Great it. question. Yeah. yeah. Something more to keep talking yeah. about as, yeah. a, church, as yeah. a church. Um, Alice, you talked about how lamenting is just profoundly biblical and how it's okay to grieve or be mad or confused. Um, I know different teachers talked about different ways to lament, but I wonder if you could just give me some, give us some ideas um, about how to lament. Yeah. yeah. Um, not necessarily how you do it, but just right. ways that you know other people do right. it. And yourself, right. obviously. Right. Well, um, Multiple ways, and I think um, depending on what you're lamenting, um, you know, more appropriate ways than others. So, you know, sometimes there's just very personal times of lament where it's just me and God, and maybe it's just on a walk, or I'm more of a verbal kind of reader-writer kind of person, so reading the Psalms, there's several, multiple Psalms that are just Psalms of lament, the, the book of Lamentations, some of the prophets, you know, there's just this ancient writing that has these words that helps give voice to what I'm feeling in my soul. Um, sometimes it's um, very appropriate to um, talk with close friends. We just did that this Saturday. A few of us who are really, really close friends got together and one person just asks, you know, what are you, what, what, what's just bubbling up in your soul? And just in a matter of seconds, every single person took their few minutes to just lament and they were met with grace and prayer and encouragement. And that was really good. And we can talk about community lament on your next question if you <laughs> okay. want to talk yeah. about it. But yeah. Dave, I was curious about. Yeah, I'm anxious for that next question. <laughs> That's the whole reason I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> for that next, final for question. question. I'm yeah. ready. I've well, got some thoughts. You just want to go ahead. Well, yeah. I liked the idea. You said earlier, disciplined lament. or um, yeah. you, you were talking about the, the, yeah. the discipline of and lamenting. Yep. Yeah. And I guess my concern with the whole thing is that people are just going to think, well, it's just okay if I just let loose. Um, anytime, anywhere, right? No. And, <laughs> uh, so I, so I guess you know my question um, is is really like if we're angry Sorry. with God, uh, you know, if we're angry with somebody else, if we have these emotional, you know, um, outbursts, um, like how how can we let those out? What's appropriate? Like, is are there appropriate ways to do this? I was thinking about like if I just get on Facebook and write something about how my kids are driving me absolutely crazy. Um, and they're disobedient, and they're this, and they're this. Well, that's not honoring to them. It's not honoring to God. Um, and it's it, not even that helpful to you. It's not, and yeah, and, no, you know, and you're just a, throwing yeah. something out there, and then people are commenting. or you know, that, That's not what we're going for right. here. Uh, I wanted to, the difference between public 
and community. Yes, I Pu- wanted to talk about public that too. is yeah. like I just throw it out there. Yeah, community is I. It's it's a carefully chosen group of trusted people. Yeah, even in a church like hit this, it might get confused. That like you standing up front, that one level of community is the 500 people listening. But if you're lamenting a personal deal, you're not going to do it with 500. No, 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 no. No, it's a couple, two or three trusted. That When we're using the word community, at least that's what I think we're talking about. Because we could do some real damage too, yeah. right? I mean, if you're... Well, what if somebody looks in and, and sees, you know, Dave Bartlett, you know, leader of the church, talking about how God has done all these things to him and he's, you know, angry at God. I mean, that can be awkward, right? And not helpful. And that's where this whole idea of right place, right people for, for the right situation that I was trying to refer to, um, you, you know, understand, you know, what you're dealing with. I mean, I think some of my rawest stuff, my realest stuff is just between God and me. And I have to understand that even while I'm lamenting, I do have a responsibility to not wound all the people around me. There you go. Yeah. You know, that's and, and if I'm if I'm not able to contain that, then other people who love me have the responsibility to contain that for me. Right. And so some this isn't this isn't an, an advocacy of just irresponsible venting of every and all emotion in front of every single human being. That's just selfishness. I mean, that's not Christian lament. It's complaining, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's complaining. Like, it's it's just... yeah, 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 yeah. Th- this is this is what Dave, you know, kind of our definition, right? Which is yeah. bringing grief, pain, and loss into the presence of God for. And Dave added, for the sake of human thriving. So we have to. It's a lot to process. This yeah. isn't free free reign to just go on the Doctor Phil show. I mean, that's that's not what this is. Right. right. And. When I I think whenever I, and and I don't think I even talked about this, except maybe a little bit in my teaching, when I was thinking about community lament, I was thinking about communities of people who... Like and this is in the scriptures, the Psalms, or or in 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 the Book of Lamentations, when the people of Israel knew that as a people they had failed God, and so they came before God as a people and said, "We're sorry, you know, we're sorry. We're in this pain and grief partly because we left the covenant and we didn't live the way you wanted us to live, and things have fallen apart and." We're weeping and mourning together as a body of people. Now, we don't do that very much because we're super individualistic. But there are people, groups in our country who mourn and lament publicly as a group of people. Um, Sometimes the church does that, you know. I mean, and I think there have been times when our nation has done that Mm. or group you know groups of people have done that i think that's appropriate and he we do it on like ash wednesday right right and it's still not necessarily public but it's community but we're joining with others who are ready yes and are agreed with us yes like i think the thing that happened with the nation of israel they were ready and they agreed together yes and they all just said we're 
we broke God's heart and now we're broken and yeah. we're sad. And so they were confessing and they were mourning and they were grieving and they were mad all at the same time. And they were doing that together. Yeah. There's something really healing about that, but that's not really part of our culture as much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really isn't. It's not, and is it? And so we do it on, we do it, like you say, on Ash Wednesday. Yeah. We, 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 Good we, Friday, We do maybe? it a few like, other times, but it's not our culture we live into. Yeah. You know? I feel like our church did it, Dave, with you and your family. Mm. I mean, as best we could, yeah. but there was a sense, the first time I really felt it, um, of this communal grieving. Yeah, yeah. I um, remember... Uh, watching a video of maybe 100 or 200 people in the commons praying for us. Yeah. And I remember there is something powerful there. Mm -hmm. And there aren't any answers. I mean... No. no, but we all wanted to be together. Yeah, yeah. And we knew, you know, that you guys needed your space, but we also wanted to surround you too. We didn't want to take your grieving from you or right, right. but we there was something important about all of us being together as a community in our collective pain and surrounding you guys in your yeah. excruciating pain yeah that i think is the closest i've ever seen of our we do it at funerals too of people yeah. where there's a yeah you know but there are other communities who do it in our nation. And part of my encouragement was when we see other communities different from us who are lamenting, we need to be honoring to them, even if what they're doing doesn't feel like what we would do. Because mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, there's something profound about it. So Is that really why we were doing the space for lament? I mean, is that kind of the idea behind that was was really to just to get some of that out there and build empathy for each yes. other. And yes, you're not alone. Right. We want to be a place where, where it's okay to write down something and put it up on a board for everybody to see. Not, you know, you don't have to sign your name. This isn't about, you know, show and tell of your pain, but this is about there's something, there is something in the scriptures that is profound about a community of people acknowledging their sin, acknowledging the brokenness of the world, acknowledging that things aren't right, and bringing that all before God and just saying, you know, you're our, you're our hope. You're, you're the light. Your faithfulness is great. Your mercies are new, and we're desperate for them. I think I thought that the people writing the cards would be the ones who would feel not alone. But as I read the cards, yeah. I felt not alone. Yeah. And so in some ways, the people who wrote the cards were ministering to me mm -hmm. and our body here. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's super important. Because what you're saying then is, I think, lament done appropriately. So wisely and with, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but wisely offers other people a space to bring their pain yep. without feeling so alone. Yep. Yeah, there's great power there. So no, don't go yell at the McDonald's drive through guy just because, <laughs> right. right? I right. mean, right. yeah. Or, you know, yep. put all your dirty laundry on Facebook. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, that usually works backward. But do have this disciplined lament with God in the presence of God. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. 
Yeah. And sometimes if it doesn't feel disciplined, at least do the discipline of getting alone with him. There you go. Right? Yeah. Yep. And yeah. then yeah. if you need to be undisciplined there, he's good with it. I guess that's what I meant by the discipline. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The discipline of, like, of collecting yes. yourself a little bit. I think what God wants is to not be disciplined. I don't know. Formal. Quotation not marks. Formal. Disciplined. Yes. Formal. Yeah. He wants yes. you to be kind of unhinged with him, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. That's where you're letting it all out. Yep. Right. Yep. And he can handle it. He, yeah. He ain't scared. That was the title yeah, of my teaching. Yeah, I quoted you God several scared, times. I gotta right? Be, I got to be honest. When I saw that was your title, I was like, what is she actually talking about? And then I forgot about it. And then when you started doing that story, I was like, oh, okay, now it's all making sense to me. So I'm glad I didn't question it. It was just so helpful to yeah. me to finally realize there's really, you know, that once I get into God's presence alone, there's really nothing I can't say to him. Right, so that's the right and appropriate place to take to take all that stuff, and and that was really helpful to me, and I hope it was helpful to other people. I think it was, and I think the I think the um, I don't know if this was our intent or not, but just doing this leading up to Easter, you know, as you were talking about, you know, uh, Christ is our hope, and you know, yep. a redemption, and um, being able to just say, you know, this is uh, we hurt, but. Yeah. Your, our hope is in is in this. There's something there's really something, good coming. Yeah, really and good. I think of that verse that you know that says there's um there's no way we can compare the weight of glory that's gonna come. You know, I'm I'm really messing up this verse, Dave, but do you know what I mean? Like the the agony that we go through now yeah. it is just is it we're gonna be undone at the level of goodness and rightness and putting everything back into place um, in comparison to that weight and that pain now. So there's some, I think there is some, there's great value in, in entering into that um, because it, it helps you put your full hope in what's coming. So. Yeah. Jesus lamented on the cross when he Mm -hmm. said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a lament. Yep. At the pain that was coming at him at that point. Yep. 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 And he pulled it right from Psalm 22, which is a psalm of lament. So he was practicing, right? He was yep. using the words that were already in here to help put voice to his pain. Yep. And uh, yeah. And then he was he was in his person turning the curse back on itself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's powerful. I love that. Thank you guys for talking about this. I'm excited awesome. for Easter. Uh, I think, you know, just even this conversation right here with you guys, it gets me excited for, you know, what we're going to celebrate here in, in a week and a half. Same. So thanks Same. for doing this. Thanks, Jonathan. Okay. Thanks, Johnny.